That is a track from R.E.M., one of my very favorite bands. name of the song is World Leader Pretend. It's just one of the tracks from the album, Green. And no matter what, if you release more than one or two or three songs at a time, it's still called an album, even though it's not an album anymore. It's probably a waveform or it's probably in some kind of a video or some kind of a release or something like that, but it's still called an album, even though it's not, and I do love that. I actually went and counted, I went through the entire R.E.M. discography and counted all the R.E.M. songs that I ever played in my rock radio career and it came to 45 songs. Most of them came from being played at the world's finest radio station, the world's finest radio station, WQDR in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this was what I got into the business for. New albums would come in every day. All the guys would jump into a room, listen to them and say, hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. Let's play that one. Let's play that one. There were no singles involved at that time. And I joined in with WQDR in 1980 and they'd been doing that for eight or nine years at that point. Happy to have that job. Greatest job I ever had in my career. I do believe, except for the custodial job when I was cleaning toilets, but more on that coming up. (laughs) In just a couple of minutes, 45 R.E.M. songs. That's how good that band was. Not to be forgotten. World Leader Pretend is the name of that. December 2012. And the last real radio job that I had was at 96 Rock in Raleigh, part of Curtis Media. And uh, the program director that I had was a guy by the name of Foster. And I was doing the morning show at the time. I joined on with 96 Rock as the afternoon drive guy. And then they moved me into mornings for whatever reason. I'm not sure. But I was just doing the morning show by myself. And I had an intern. It would come in from time to time. And um, I had driver Ed, who was doing my traffic. And and I, and I had a sports guy. His name was Trip. I think. I can never remember his last name. But I'd forgotten completely about him until I saw... Carolina Panthers preseason football game a little while back and I saw him announcing it I knew that he had gotten some job with Sirius XM and now he was and it's perfect for him because he's a Carolina Country Club boy and he like all the rest of any Carolina announcer that's what they are and he was announcing with Steve Smith the former receiver for the Carolina Panthers wow what a fun job and so I I watched him do that for a while and like anybody you know that you've worked with, you tell yourself, I could have done that a million times better than he did. And I watched the whole game and I could have, but you know, he still did good. So he's, he's doing just fine. But uh, anyway, he did sports for me for just a, a little bit. And one day in, in 2012, beginning of December, I got off the air and the job at that point, when you get off the air at 10 o'clock is to sneak out of the building as fast as you can before anybody, before anybody grabs you and says, listen, we got a meeting. You know, and Foster was the program director at the time, so as soon as 10 o'clock rolled around, I am walking down the hallway to walk out because I've got this 10.40 tea time, and there he is walking down the hall. Crap. You know, half the time, I wasn't in the mood for it, so I'd say, no, I don't have time today, and I'd just walk past him and walk out. But thank you, I'd say. But this time he said, hey, would you meet me and Phil Zachary in the conference room? And so I thought about that for a minute. I said, okay, I know what's coming. I'm getting fired today. General manager and vice president of the company, Phil Zachary, wouldn't be meeting me unless he wanted to fire me. 
And you can always tell. The writing's always on the, on the wall when you're going get, to get fired in radio. You always know, right? Blown out, as we say, or shit-canned is the other term that we use. And I was like, well, okay. So I thought about it for a sec, and I kept walking, and he's walk, following me, walking down the hallway. I said, look, okay, I know what's going to happen. I don't want to hear what the guy has to say or what you have to say. So I just want to get out of here. I understand, you know, you're going to fire me. So I just want to, you know, get on out of here. What what can we talk about? <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. Just meet us in the conference room just for a couple of minutes. You don't know that that's what's going to be. And I said, well, yeah, I do. I, I know, but never mind. Okay. I'll meet you in the conference room, but I only have like 10 minutes. Okay. And so we went to the conference room and I got to the conference room at 10.05 and I waited 40 minutes for this guy to come in here to fire me. 40 minutes. First of all, you're going to fire me. Then you make me sit in there alone with HR people and the program director for 40 minutes before you come in to, you know, wow. You know, maybe he was dreading doing it. I don't, I don't know what the reason is behind it, but I had to sit there, you know, in very uncomfortable silence till he finally got in the room. I knew what was going to happen at that point, And... You know, and he starts with the first six words and I say, okay, here we go. I knew the guy well enough. Here we go with the posturing and the fashioning and all this stuff that goes around it. And so I heard the first six words, well, and then I just kind of tuned out and I'm looking around, not listening, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm looking at the HR people, Christy on my right and the sales manager, Mike Cartel on the left and Foster. And they're all looking down at the ground, not looking at me, you know, and and I'm not listening because I know what it is. It's nothing I need to to hear and finally get the vibe that this may be ending 15 minutes later so I caught the last six words um, and they were something to the effect of but we'll pay you through your contract which was I think February of uh, of 2013 so I heard that and what do you do after you've been fired you just pick up your stuff and you just kind of walk out of the building because over the years I've learned there's nothing you can say it doesn't matter what you say you know I have nothing to add nothing to say to that and I don't want to hear anything else so you just I picked up my satchel and had all my show stuff in it. And I just kind of walked out of the building. And I didn't say a word. You know, I said, okay, that's that. Got on the golf course late, you know, joined him on the third hole or something like that. And and I thought on that round of golf, well, what am I going to do now? And I said, well, this is a perfect time for me to market the book that I just wrote. And the book was called There's Nothing Louder Than Dead Air. If you fish around a website, Blade Brilliant, you can find it there. So I'll take six months and I'll market the book. And so it was really fun because I went to conventions and I went to, uh, gosh, I had book signings at the at the library, at the bookstores, at grand openings of businesses. I knew a lot of people at the time and I would take my mobile book unit with me with my Blade Live, you know, stand and you could see I'd take it to the clubs I knew the club owners and I'd have it in the lobby and I'd be set up there and I'd, you know, personalize books and I'd sell them there. And, you know, I, I just, and I went to events and uh, even even concerts. The guys would let me in at concerts at some of the civic centers and places where they had shows to sell books. So that's what I did. You know, even went to an insurance convention once and sold my book uh, there in Raleigh. But so I did that for six months. And I ended up selling about a thousand books. Now the goal was to sell five thousand, so I could make a buck out of this thing. Um, and my nephew always said, Nick Tosco always said, "Is this just cathartic? Is that why you did it?" And I said, "I don't know why I did it. Uh, write the book." But I sold about a thousand copies. I wanted to sell five thousand, and then I just got tired of marketing it. And then I got tired of Raleigh altogether. And then I said, "Let me get out of here." I mean, there's plenty of beautiful towns and cities and places to live in the United States of America. Why am I 
going to stay here. I'd been in Raleigh 29 years at the time. So I'm getting out of here. I'm going to try something different. I think I was 52. Time for me to reinvent and do the whole thing all over again, doing something else. What is it going to be? I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Why not? I've always loved Phoenix, Arizona. I don't mind the heat. And it was something new. The reinvention starts. Let me tell you, it was tough. I had zero money. I went out there with nothing. I think I had $4,000 on me. I had a 93 Jeep Wrangler that I sold for $4,000. And that's the only money that I had. And that went really quick after I'd found a, a place to, to live. You know, so as it turned out, I tried this job and that job and this job and that job. And it occurred to me after about two months, I'd be happy to have $20 in my checking account. I mean, I sold life insurance. I worked at grocery stores, stocking shelves. I worked at Best Buys during the Christmas season. I did some acting. I, I taught a course or two at Central Arizona College out here. I did, uh, I was a janitorial manager at the Chandler Theater for the Performing Arts. You know, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts for a cup of coffee, as they say. And I was even turned down for a subway job. They never told me why. You know, why wouldn't you hire me? You know, I couldn't even get a subway job at that point. That's how bad it got. I think they wouldn't hire me because I think I was too old. I, I just don't know how that works out. But, you know, I almost took a job at U-Haul doing website stuff, SEO and back-end stuff, which I friggin' hate. You know, and then uh, there was a dentist school uh, that wanted a video editor. And I'd gotten really good at editing video over the course of the last really like 10 or 11 years. It was kind of a side thing I did, a hobby I did while I was on radio. Uh, I was editing video and I got kind of good at it. So I interviewed with them and this is where I knew that my opportunities were numbered because it was a corporate interview and the HR people call up and they say we like to work and we think it's a good fit and uh, can you tell us about a problem that you have solved in your recent past that uh, was very very difficult and how you managed to solve it and how it affected others and I was like thinking no 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 I really can't and I said that and I knew where this was going if I lasted three questions it would have been a miracle and then well so well so what are your career ambitious in the in the video business and I was uh, ambitions. I look, you know, I was already disgusted after one question, and and I knew where this is going. And I said, look, I just want to make a buck, you know, hoping that this is the kind of HR person they would relate to that. But there was dead silence, and that was the end of that. I, I didn't even make it through two questions. Hang up, click. You know, so the corporate thing is never, ever going to work for me. That was a very important lesson that I did learn that day. And that very same day, I got a call from the Chandler Center for the Performing Arts. Nice. And they needed a janitor. And I had $19 in my checking account. And I said, sure, I'll take the job. And I was 52 years old. And they said, but look at your resume. You're a rock radio DJ for 30 years. And you, you've done this and you've done that. And do you really want to be a janitor? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll do it because I would have been happy to get, you know, like a $200 paycheck at that point. I, I, I was going to do anything. So they said, sure, come on in. And so let me tell you something. I, I worked nine hours a day for five days a week. And by the time I got off of that job and I would drive to my apartment, Stonebridge Apartments in Chandler, Arizona, I would feel this sense of accomplishment that I had never felt before. 
I was picking up popcorn off of the aisles and in the seats, you know, from people watching the shows. I was, I was, uh, you know, dragging chairs and tables from one auditorium to the next and, and cleaning up green rooms, you know, and putting the popcorn in their vegetable plates in the rooms and, and scaling 50 foot windows and cleaning them and, and, uh, and cleaning toilets and that. <laughs> wow. After a concert or a show at the Chandler center for the performing arts i mean i mean i hadn't realized that so many people had so many problems in in restrooms and i I, there were some uh projects that i had that i had to clean up wow and and you know and then you know you do one or two and you go wow what does it come to is this what i'm going to do is this my lot in life but then you get used to it and it's not that big of a deal you know and i'd leave at like nine or ten or eleven o'clock at night and and i would go home and i'd be beat but I would feel this sense of fulfillment. I didn't get it. So this is what a regular Joe is is like. And so I did enjoy that job for about a week. About a week, you know, and I got that $212 paycheck and and, and I love that and that helped me, you know, uh, with a quarter of my rent for, the, for that month. What do I do next? Next up, the gambling problem starts here. Working at Best Buy selling home theater out of the Magnolia Room and stopping by the casino on the way to work. Wow. 